Welcome to Sports, Clicks, and Politics with your hosts, Ben Husong and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 148 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. Uh, quickly remove the echo for you, Mr. Husong. I'm sure you're much appreciated. I am. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, Episode two of the quote-unquote reboot of the uh, Sports Clicks and Politics here. So we're glad that you all have uh, re-found us here again as we uh, uh, get back into a regular schedule before we stop for Christmas and New Year's. But we'll figure out something in between there maybe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. See what everybody's schedules is. So before we get into some of the crazy uh, news topics of the day, uh, please like the video, share the video, subscribe to the channel, help fight those uh, algorithmic demons. Sure. Atone for your sins. Ah. Just smash the like button. There you go. Help us out. Um, Mr. Husong, how was your weekend? It was great. Productive. Got a lot done. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. Relaxed a little bit. Yeah. Weather was kind of weird. Very. I was enjoying the hell out of it. We had two, yeah. two fires out back over the weekend, which was nice. Yeah. Helps when you have I a saw. I saw some people thing. golfing. I saw that as well. And then it was snowing. Sure. Drizzling, whatever you want to call it. But I have, you know, with the with the gazebo and the logs and all that, I got the, that four-season fire pit got some work with the bamboo blinds <laughs> on it now. Oh, yeah. It's technically not the fourth season yet. I mean, we're close enough. I think I think we can call this. I mean, here we are. Yeah. I mean, here this is the fourth season, but we have a extended fourth season. So as much of you uh, do know here up in uh, upstate New York. So um, we should start with some sports. Your weekend... Uh, Ended on a high note. I don't know if uh, you were awake to see the uh, the final say of the uh, Buffalo Bills taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think? Uh, is this a uh, sign of things to come for the Bills and or the Chiefs? I hope so. <laughs> um, any hot takes from that game specific before we touch on the rest of the uh, Week 14 uh Results? Yeah, I mean, number one, Tony was offsides. I like, I get it. I get why you're frustrated by it and everything else, but it wasn't close. Yeah, no, he was clearly offsides. I mean, the guy was. If there's a great picture of it, that uh, it demonstrates that Tony's left or front foot, whatever foot that was, on the left side of the line, and the back foot of the right tackle on the opposite side of the line. So if you go from from there to there. Yeah. Is literally like a three-yard gap. It's like their offensive line was taking up three and a half yards of gameplay between the front foot and the back foot of these two people. Uh, Generally, I don't like it when refs decide games, especially not on tiny calls like that. Because I agree, it didn't have, it wouldn't have had a huge impact. I mean, the guy did score the touchdown. Sure did. (laughs) And but I mean, the guy who is quote unquote cheating did end up playing right. a large role in the play, I right, guess. Right, right, right. Not saying any, that gained an advantage, but it's hard to erase that. Right. And it's it's also like when you're looking at it as it is a rule, the dude is clearly violating it, never checked in with the ref, never did anything, and you're like, fuck. Yeah, and it wasn't like, I mean, the flag came out immediately, so it right. wasn't like it was, the bat- oh, it they saw like, the play and then they throw the flag. It wasn't like it was the pass interference call against the Jets when the Chiefs played the Jets where after the guy missed the ball, they threw the flag <laughs> 10 yards behind the play and said holding. Right. No, this one was definitely uh, uh, it was, and I. Here's the thing, take it away or, or let him score. Fine, 
Uh, you still gave Josh Allen about a minute and a half to go and, and get a couple of points. Yeah, it wasn't over. Right. Like, I'm sorry, but that, like, uh, is a Bills fan when they scored? I literally was like, oh, thank God. They scored early this time. We're not going to. Because that's like they all they've done these past few weeks is Josh Allen scores with two minutes to go. The Bills take the lead. And then Sean McDermott goes into a bend-don't-break defense where they give up chunk plays. And instead of just giving up a score in 45 seconds and letting your offense back on the field, they inevitably, like, just give up play after play. And the time eeks out. And then there's... Four seconds left, and the other team scores. And Josh Allen can't throw it anymore. And yards. then there's nothing to do, and Josh Allen loses another game while sitting on the bench. Um, yeah, I mean, I saw the play. I mean, how many? I mean, I've seen. I don't watch a lot of football anymore. I mean, I watch probably more than most humans, I guess. But like compared to what I used to watch, but I've seen Travis Kelsey throw a ball like five times in the middle of a game, like to another player of his own. <laughs> be like, hey, here, you're open, like. Clearly, that is in his psyche, right? Like, he is, like, wants to be a quarterback. He threw a tight spiral, too. It was a nice pass. Yeah. But I've seen him do that multiple times where, and it's not by design, like, you know, the hook and lateral or whatever you want to call it. Um, he's clearly in the middle of the moment being like, oh, shit, my guy's open over there. I can throw it to him, and he can score a touchdown. So, I'm not convinced So, kudos that, to Travis Kelsey. for. I, I'm not convinced that wasn't a design play. Oh, it wasn't a design play. I'm not convinced guarantee. of that. If, I guarantee if you... Go back. You can find a history of Travis Kelsey doing this multiple enough times where you're like, okay, he just knows. Every once in a while, he's like, oh, I'm dead. I'm going to get tackled, but my guy is open, and I can get it to him. I'm telling you, he. I don't think that play was planned. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't. I, I could go either way on that one. Uh, it was a. It was an entertaining game. It was a close yeah. game, and I think the the Chiefs. You know, between Mahomes and Andy Reid, like the the focus of their ire being on the refs instead of on your wide receiver, that was a full foot offsides. Yeah. Like, may, maybe get your own house in order before yeah. you're going to start screaming well, about easy, how... Easy to lean into those kind of things. I mean, I get it, but again, you had two or three plays after that that you still could have gotten the first down, and you didn't. And it's easy. I feel like at that point, it's a cop-out. I feel like at that point, you want to be mad about that one call, except what you're actually asking for is, you're not saying they got the call, the call wrong. You're saying... They just shouldn't have called it. It's like I, I mean, I get where you're coming from. Yeah, right. But, but you know what would happen? Make. The Bills would be like, hey, dude, scored the touchdown was offsides. How, I mean, it would, the, the angst would just be, or the ire would just be on the other side. Correct. And, and this is where I mean, like, my advice to you as the head coach, and I think at this point, inarguably, best quarterback playing right now, Patrick Mahomes. I mean... All right, arguably Jake, the greatest quarterback Jake, playing right now. Was it now. Jake Browning? He looked pretty good. Jake Browning does look shockingly competent Go at ahead, quarterback. But, yeah. but anyways, <laughs> of of all the things that you're going to come around, like let other people make the point for you. It will get made. You don't need to be the one yelling. It's just always a bad look when you're blaming the officials for something that 100% did happen. This isn't like a phantom hold or a clearly missed pass interference. Like, the guy was fully in front of the football from the moment he put his foot down and got called for it. Like, let other people complain about that. You just go in and do your usual quarterback and coach speech about, you know what, we got to be better. We got. I mean, people are right. I get it. It's ticky-tack, but what are you going to do? What, next time, we have to have better attention to detail. Right. And then the fact that, like, Mahomes is yelling that at Josh Allen after the game when he goes up to congratulate him, he's like, going to offensive offside Josh Allen's like yeah hey man, good luck man. <laughs> what do you want me to say <laughs> this is awkward yeah great game no, good luck yeah 
not a good look for sure. But anyway, um, so we kind of almost predicted this a little bit. Not not that we were making predictions last week, but we were talking about the the mushy middle of the AFC, mm-hmm. and it's pretty much just getting mushier and mushier. There's like nine teams that are between like eight and five and seven and six now. It's a lot. Yeah, like half the conference, more than half the conference. So my Steelers have shown up exactly the way I had expected them to show up at the beginning of the year instead of winning seven games and lose to back-to-back to two and ten teams, the Arizona Cardinals and the – who the hell did they lose to this week? Uh, I forgot the already. <laughs> forgot already her with the Patriots. That's right. Um, and looked poor losing both of them. Um, but, again, I don't expect them to be in the playoffs, even though, as of right now, sixth, holding on to the sixth seed. But um, you never know. I mean, you know what? You know who loves Pittsburgh right now? Chicago. Because, because they have Carolina's draft pick. Because oh, okay. of the trade. Yeah. And the last two weeks, the Steelers gave wins to the Cardinals and the Patriots, who were sl- who were competing for that number gotcha. one overall pick. Wow. And they are that now they have a really firm grasp. Do you know that the Steelers and the Bears make like a trade every two years? So maybe there's some I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, I don't know. Always. There's a bunch of weird back and forth between those two teams. So They're the, relatively close the to the administrations each other. must know each other or whatever. Yeah. The higher ups. And I also do like I think we can firmly, I don't know, like maybe firmly is too strong. I think there's some pretty good evidence to say Frank Reich was not the problem in Carolina. <laughs> yeah, Bryce Young looks bad. Um, the whole team is bad. I know, but if your quarterback is incompetent, the rest of the team has no shot. You're right. right. I mean, Chuba Hubbard would probably be an all-pro. I'm not sure about that, but like, you know, you're never going to be able to evaluate your first-round wide receiver pick Bingo. if your quarterback is terrible, right? Like, you just can't. You can't you you don't know if he's good or not because the the guy can't throw a ball. That's true. But outside of that, you know DJ Shark is not good. You yeah, know he, Adam Thielen is 102. Yeah, but those white. guys will be good in roles with an efficient quarterback, right? They they're not going to break open and help a terrible quarterback. No. They they need to have an Aaron Rodgers, a Tom Brady type who is going to when they're open, they're only going to be open for a split second. They need the ball there then and then they can catch it and fall down, right, and get their 11 yards. I agree. If you have one of the top five quarterbacks that's ever played football, this offense would actually look like a functioning NFL yeah, offense. But even Thielen was good with Kirk Cousins. That's my point. I mean, like, if you got a competent quarterback, those receivers would be competent receivers. They can't help a inefficient those, – those t- a Jamar Chase, a Justin Jefferson, those kind of guys might be able to help – a shitty quarterback because all of a sudden sure. they break a they break a play and they're gone. Um, kind of like how Brock Purdy plays, right? Like he literally just gets it to the three best playmakers in the league, right? Or at least two of the best with the most well designed plays, right? Ever. I mean, he's got you know all that aside, and not you know I'm, I'm shitting on Brock Purdy here, but it's not shitting. He can on just him. get the. He doesn't have to do. He's like Ben Roethlisberger of the early days, right? Like he doesn't have to do anything. Just get the ball to the guys who are good. Don't mess up. Let the defense win, right? And that's yeah. Where the, the the Niners are great at that. So and Brock Purdy is better than average. I'm not trying to again, but he has he doesn't have to be great. He can just be average and throw it to his great players. If you put Brock Purdy on almost any other team, his stats would not just go down, they would nosedive. Yeah, but you know what? If you put him on Carolina, they'd be like five hundred. I don't even think they'd be five hundred. I think they would be worse. I think you're underestimating how I think I think you're overestimating the talent that Carolina has well, off Ms. the ball. Sure, because listen, 
again, and New England has the same problem. It's not just that you have average guys. You have bad you have below average at every position on it, offense. It only takes two dra- bad draft classes to set you back five years. Right, and this so. is where I mean of if you're trying to help your quarterback out, having Jonathan Mingo and DJ Shark be your one and two to start the season is not a great look. Your running backs are Miles Sanders and Chuba Hubbard. Again, I'm not meaning to be like dismissive of these people. They're unbelievably talented human beings, but compared to other NFL players, they're not. So... I think Carolina just did a terrible job with personnel, letting DJ Moore go to Chicago, use, moving up to get Bryce Young, and then all of this stuff that came with it. They don't have any talent around him, and their answer was, fire Frank Reich. Sure. Oh, the, the move failed. Don't get me wrong, and I'm not, you know, whoever made the move deserves Forget the Carolina. Guess, whatever. Forget yeah. Carolina. You know what I want to talk about with the NFL, yeah. and then we can move on? Yeah. I actually sat down and watched – the Ravens play football for, I think, the first time okay. all season. I've been hearing all year about how um, Lamar Jackson is like an MVC, er, MVC, good Lord, MVP consideration, and he's having this un-year. He's not that good of a thrower. I'm watching him throw to guys that are wide open. I mean, four yards, six yards between them and the defender. And every time they got to pause and wait for the ball to come and like readjust and then they end up scoring. But it's like, look, and then every now and then they get tackled at the one of if this throw was on target, they would have had five more touchdowns. But this dude just keeps throwing it. Odell Beckham is like twisting and diving to make a catch when he beat his guy by five yards. Um, and I'm watching this going, I, I get it. He's good. And I'm not arguing that. But he like I, all I've been hearing over the years is he's he's come so much as a passer he's he's evolved and everything else and I watched and I went no he's not he's got great play design and he's okay and he's tremendous running the football yeah right listen his ability to move the ball with his arm only comes because they have to respect his legs right, right. like I mean they're like okay this guy can go the distance on every play and. That has to be your first priority, and then you figure out how to stop the passes there. Now, he's not a great passer. Yesterday it was raining and windy in Baltimore, so, I mean, whatever. All right, fine. um, But I've been watching the Ravens games, and he's not a great passer. I mean, listen, he... He gets it done. Yeah, I mean, he's... He's, again, surrounded by very good players, I feel like. The the coaching has been excellent for his whole tenure there. So they're they're always in a winning situation. You know, they're, right. they're always – the culture's good there. Um, I mean, I wouldn't start my team with him, but if I was left with him, I, I could win with him too. I mean, they're 10-3. and three. Sure. They have the best record in the league. So. Yeah, they are. They have a, they're a very good team. And I, they're without their best weapon, Mark Williams. So. Mark Andrews. Eric Mark Andrews, yes. Right. And their top two running I was backs. thinking NBA centers. All good. Oh, totally, for, sh- totally for Charlotte Hornets, Mark Williams. mistake to make. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, again, I don't want to overstate this. I'm not saying he sucks. I just, like, I had such higher expectations for what I've been hearing about him. And then watching his receivers consistently have to turn around is like well, nobody was knocking on the door to give him a contract. I mean, but, he just went through this whole weird holdout well, he slash the whatever. Entire thing sure, I'm just that saying, but there's a other people aren't knocking down the doors to get you know Lamar Jackson on their team right. by any means. So and yeah, that's where I mean these guys that are designing these plays that give people four steps. What, one more thing before we move off the NFL because then we have another sports thing. Oh boy, unbelievably here. I know. You think the Cowboys are legit? Their offense looks legit. And that's Dak Prescott-led offense. Right. And Mike McCarthy. That's why I'm having a hard time getting but to I mean, legit. But I mean, they have, they have it. The I, results have been there. I agree. 
They have done very well of late, and they they basically embarrassed the Eagles yesterday. I mean, yeah, that, they, they 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 were in control of that game from the beginning. From beginning to end, they looked like the better football team across the board. You would have guessed that their roles were reversed coming in. Um, are they legit? It's a hard question to answer. I don't know. Because I also, looking at their, you know, they've got this winning streak going, but it's it's the Giants, Carolina, Washington, Seattle, and then finally Philly is a real team. Like, so you beat up on some bad opponents, but then this was the test where it was like, hey, are you real or are you not? Let's see what you got. And they didn't just win. They showed up. They, what's, they curve stomped the Eagles. Like, they, they could have put up 50 on this team if they, if they had, had a few other things go right. I mean, it was ugly. So I, up until last night, I would have unflinchingly and without hesitation said no. I would have said no. They're beating up on nobodies. Now the Eagles are coming off a particularly bad stretch. Yeah. They've got some injuries. I understand. But so does everybody. Like, yeah, I, time that of the excuse year. only travels yeah. so far. Next week will be a very good test for both teams when the Cowboys and the Bills play. Mm. That'll be, Is I that mean, a, a primetime game? Um, It should be if it's not. Yeah. 425. Yeah, well, kind of. Yeah. But I, that's what I mean. Like, if you, if looking over their wins, it's against teams that are, I mean, the Chargers we thought were good, but they're not. The Rams are better now than they were, but it is what it is. And they still lost to Arizona, which is it's a rough one. Yeah. And I mean, the Bills lost to the Jets. So I can't, like, yeah. what am I going to say? Yeah. I mean, do you want to talk about Zach Wilson? No, let's not. Oh, my God. Zach Wilson's the most fun player in the NFL right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Let the kids sleep. I will it. say that there be, maybe because there is no, you know, A team where you're like, okay, it's them, like yeah. the Patriots of old or whatever. There is no kind of like top echelon. I don't know. Maybe it's more entertaining. The, last, mean, the last few weeks should be entertaining. There's, there's, I don't think there's nobody who has clinched a playoff spot. In the AFC. Are the, is anybody in the NFC? I assumed that the 49ers have by now. Uh, they're not. In, there's no indication okay. that they have clinched a I playoff made an spot. Assumption. I mean, there's so the NFC is, you know, again, we're going to get off this NFL stuff here, but they have, what, three, NF, t, three 10 and 3 teams and a 9 and 4 team. I, be, I believe the AFC has great parity right now. Like, And it, some of it's because of injury. Some of it's just because there are so many good quarterbacks and good coaches in the AFC right now. It's kind of crazy. I think the NFC, and I guess this goes back to answering your question. Up until last night, I would have said the NFC is a two-horse race. It's the Eagles and it's the 49ers, and then everybody else is playing for third. Because those two teams had clearly identified as the top two teams in the conference. And everybody, I mean, people want to talk about the Seahawks, and I laughed it off. Like, guys, Geno Smith's just not going to be the guy. I'm sorry. Um, Now, there's a team that has solid weapons that just needs a quarterback. But go ahead. I agree. So trade Geno for Bryce. I mean, Young. but Geno's actually proving my point because he's an average quarterback and they're winning because he has great players. They're winning ish. They're yeah, not right. really winning. But they but if, go ahead. They lost. Yeah. Anyways, so now I will say I'm inclined to move the Cowboys up to the upper echelon, but they're still the third team in the echelon for me. So you still have them behind the Eagles? I do. Hmm. Listen, I don't. I think Jets... the Eagles have looked a little vulnerable the last few weeks, their defense specifically. And 
last night was the, okay, they flipped in my mind. The Cowboys are better than the Eagles. I, I'm not going to argue too hard against I that. still think the Niners are the best team, though. I think the I, I guess that's the better way to put it is I think it's the Niners, then the Cowboys and Eagles, and then everybody else. I think okay. the Niners are the clear favorite by a landslide, whereas in the AFC, I don't know that there is a clear cut favorite in any type of a landslide. Every team that is there, you have to, you can look at and make an argument why it's not going to work out. Baltimore, Miami, Kansas City, Denver, like all these teams that are currently in the playoffs or in the hunt, you can always look at them and go, uh, Jacksonville. I mean, Jacksonville just lost to Joe Flacco and the Browns yesterday. I had Joe Flacco on my fantasy team. That's amazing that you did that. I forgot to put, I why that forget. I purposely didn't put Njoku on there because I knew everybody else was going to do that. And I put Elijah Moore who didn't do anything. I had Evan Ingram on my side. So that, that was worked good, out. Man. That worked out well. <laughs> But yeah, but that that's where I look at it. I, all I think it more makes me think the Eagles aren't as good as I thought they were than thinking the Cowboys are this yeah. juggernaut of a team. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a little bit of both there, but sure. I tend to side with you. All right, let's move on from the NFL. That's two weeks in a row we did a lot of NFL talk. It is the season, though. It is kind of getting into the playoffs here, and and it's interesting right now. I guess, yeah. So, all right. So maintaining with the sports conversation. Um, I don't know, earth-shattering, because if you're not into the... I mean, earth-shattering for anybody who's uh, invested into the PGA. John Rahm, arguably the best golfer in the world, signs with Liv, the uh, PIF-slash-Saudi Arabia-backed professional golf league that has been poaching PGA players here for the last few years. Didn't they merge? So, interesting you bring that up, Mr. Husong. Did you know? Yes, is the question. But there's a December 30th deadline to make that happen where the PGA has to agree to the terms of the negotiation. They have yet to do so. So I, and maybe we'll jump a little bit to, uh, uh, to the reasons why I think John Rob did this is to force the merger. Actually, I think it was a play. Now I mentioned he got $700 million reportedly. So it's a good day. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, if that's real, I mean, I think because he turned down $400 million. That's the report that when they originally offered him, he turned down $400 million. So I'm guessing this offer is at least more than that. Sure. So at least $401 Seems million. reasonable. Um, I've heard as high as $700 million. Let's say it's $500 million. Who is he, Yoshi Otani? My yeah. God. Crazy, right? So um, John Rahm. Now, one of the uh, players who had been pretty adamant that, uh, you know, he was not ever going to leave and whatnot, and many of these players have kind of had to, you know, uh, reassess that position here, and John Rahm is one of them. But uh, he cited team golf as kind of the main uh, draw to uh, this live decision. And on the heels of this, and then I'll, uh, I'll let you kind of respond a little bit, but rumors is that Tony Fino uh, will be joining John Rahm's team and is possibly to make that decision any day as early as today. I've heard uh, Terrell Hatton also mentioned, uh, another kind of a big European golfer. Right. Um top 15 guy in the world uh, also being rumored to maybe join this team here among others. But again, back to what I was asserting and what you kind of uh, pointedly brought up here was this merger deadline that I think Rom and some of these other players are using this signing. Cause he said in his, he still intends to keep his DP world tour and his PGA tour intact and plans on playing. Like I'm assuming he's with that, Sentence, it made me think that 
He's going to defend his title at Kapalua, which is kind of like the tournament of champions or the first tournament of the year where all the people who won the years, the previous tournaments years come and play in this, the first year that it, he insinuated that he was going to maintain his PGA tour. Now the PGA tour would have to let him do that. Sure. Um, I think this, I think this forces the PGA to basically jump in with this merger and kind of push it forward. But you know, Rom has already basically been, you know, told that, you know, he's the the worst person in the world. Probably Keith Oberman is doing a thing on him, the worst person in the world. Um, I don't know. We talked about this when it kind of happened. We talked about the merger when it happened. The money's not going away. I mean, you know, we could talk about all the geopolitical uh, uh, sports washing of this Saudi money that's happening in all sports, Formula One, golf, wherever. Um, it's happening clearly happening. Nobody, nobody's denying that it's happening, but I do think the deadline played a role. I do think the fact that the PGA hasn't, uh, uh, seemed to jump onto that merger is pushing these players into a position where they're like, you know what, if you're not going to do this, the money is too big over here. Like, uh, you know, are the, are the best, the, the best PGA players in the world continue to play for $10 million purses when they can go play for a $50 million purse against half the field. Right. So there's incentives coming here where, the better players are eventually going to leave. Um, I don't know. I think this turns into a just a uh, uh, facilitated to uh, you know, force the merger, I guess. But I don't know. I would like it to see, and then I'll let you go here. I would like to see if the live could coexist with PGA, where the PGA would be like the individual tournaments, where they play against everybody individually, and then the live can figure out this team format that they want to kind of implement where they have four man teams and they can be from wherever and they're sponsored by Callaway or whatever. And then they have these team spots where they play each other in different formats. I don't know. I, if there was a way to marry both and have them both exist, I think that's a way for it to happen anyway. I've heard people uh, kind of propose that it seems interesting, but I don't know any hot takes on John Rahm and maybe some others joining the, uh, the PIF league. I like I like the the Piff League. It's nice. Um, No, I think that the PGA has lost any semblance of the moral high ground as soon as they decided they were going to merge because it turns out while telling all of their members and players, don't take the money, don't sell your soul, they turned around and were like, all right, well, we're going to take the money. (laughs) So, like I said, I mean, Rory McIlroy, that poor dude, he he turned down probably a billion dollars. And he's like, all right, I'm going to stick with it. And then they turn around like, eh. Screw you, Roy. We're merging with them. We're going to take that billion anyway. So, I mean, I said the same thing when they started this and everybody had their moral outrage about the Saudi Arabian blood money. And I was like, listen, I agree, but how mad do you want me to be? Like, we're still taking it as a country. I know my tax dollars are going to Saudi Arabia. I know they're buying our equipment and carrying out bombing raids against the Yemenis population. Well, not anymore. That's That seems to have ended finally. So I guess they got that. So I'm sure now the Saudi family and Saudi government will be on the straight, narrow, highly ethical path eternally no, no other wars to fight no more reporters to hack up inside of an embassy i'm sure we'll be good from here on out so i think it's laughable at this point and i good for john rom i don't even care anymore of like go take their money because guess what the the other option the only other option you have they took the money yeah. the, the pga is saying they're taking the money and now if they want to drag their feet and try to slow play it why should any player believe them why should any player go, all right, I'm going to stick with the PGA moving forward? Yeah. And honestly, that's, 
I think that's what the PGA needs to decide, what they're going to do moving forward. So they seemingly are on the path of the uh, NIT basketball tournament where they were the king at one point, and then all of a sudden they were the also-ran, and everybody went to the other tournament, and they were like, screw you, NIT, whatever. So it yeah. seems like all that. I heard people comparing it to, um, you know, these – if this league comes in, whatever, that, uh, you know, like tennis has all these, like, ir- irrelevant tournaments. They only care about the majors and because right. the people that play on these all these other tours. Um, same thing with, um, like, do you know who the heavyweight champion of the world is? Nope. So is the alphabet soup of boxing, like, a foreshadowing what PGA or professional golf is turning into. We're going to have all these leagues. Like, are they going to become irrelevant where there's, you don't know, whatever. I don't know. There is rumors that private equity firms are trying to compete, if you will, with the PIF and try to help PGA and pool some money resources. But I feel like that's only going to fracture that league because they'll just try to, I mean, they're going to cut all the, the, the bottom feeder golfers right out of, I mean, the, no private equity fund would want to fund a golf league with a bunch of people who nobody knows, right? So, like, the, no. they're only going to focus on those the top tier players if they're going to do this league, and they're then all those secondary players are going to kind of get washed. I think anyway, they're going to get it washed away. Do you think in this? I don't. There's been no smoke even to this, but like when this happened, this was coincided with the Mark Cuban uh, divesting of. Uh, leaving the Shark Tank and then selling his shares of the Mavericks, like maybe he's coming in to save golf. You think that's a possibility? I mean, sure. I mean, I don't think he can do it, but I mean, I agree. I don't think it's possible. I I, think- I, I, there's too much money to you can't outspend the PIF. There's just zero chance. No, you. They can outlast you. That yeah. They can just keep raising the stakes, keep raising the money. They, they can just keep raising the. They price don't of care oil. about losing the money. Guess what? At some point, our government has to restock the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, and at that point, what are you going to do? Like, this is just it's not possible. And again, as soon as you let it out, and just by announcing the merger, you let it be known that you were negotiating to join these people, this entity, whatever. I don't mean these people in that regard. My bad. Um, you have made it very clear that you don't have the moral high ground. Like you're willing to negotiate with them, but you're going to tell your players to stay with you after you blatantly lied to them for a year and told and tried to like guilt trip them into staying with you. Are you kidding? Every one of them should go join live. And I like the idea of having a team golf format versus an individual golf format. Now I'm probably not going to watch one way or the other. Cause I got, you know, stuff to do. There was a time in my life when I golf was much more important to me and I would tune in, but I'll tune in for the majors. And if you can give me a big team golf tournament, I'd probably tune in for that. I would think. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you know, again, I'm guessing people much smarter than me have figured, you know, thought of team tournaments, but I, you know, I, I could see, Somebody creating a format where like, oh, this is interesting where you're and you know, the Ryder Cup is super popular, the President's Cup are popular. I mean, these team events do have some cachet to them. So maybe they could tap into some of that. You know, it would be interesting. I mean, I don't know if there's more buy-in because there are countries, you know, if you did a Spain versus the USA versus South Africa, whatever, like England, you know, if you had some some I don't know if that, that would work because whatever, but I mean maybe there's more buy-in because the Ryder Cup and the President of Cups are national events or whatever. Um, I don't know. But the, the Liv's not going away, so PGA better should get off the can here. They got, you know, a couple of weeks to figure out the future of uh, PGA golf, if there is one. So, I don't know. Wow, two sports stories, Ben. We're like, we're like Bob Costas. 
Yeah. It's exactly Bob Costas and Mike Tirico. <laughs> Which one of us is Tirico? Have you ever met Mike Tirico? No. I have met Mike Tirico. He is very short. Shit. Like 4'11". So you're telling me foot. I'm the Tirico in this one. Well, I'm I not mean, short, no. but comparatively. Well, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, also claims to be Italian, not African-American. Is that weird? He's got to be at least. Uh, I don't think so. Come I, on. I, I've been told from, you know, people much smarter than me, I think. I think we're going to need an Ancestry.com. On sure. Like, right. Like I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm, not the, I'm not the final answer on this, but I have heard that there is a claim out there that he is uh, Italian and not African-American. I'm saying there's going to be. Could be a hot take. Probably just got canceled off of Rumble. If you're, you're not going to have to go back too many generations to find that there is some in the bloodline. Like, you, I get it. For I've sure. Got, I've met I mean, Italians. I guess my point is. It's like he's not checking that box on the applications. He is today. <laughs> no, I don't think he is. That's my whole point. All he's right, not clicking the, the race box. He's Shoot, I checked that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. It's a joke. I don't really check any boxes. So, anyway, we're moving on from sports, I guess, reluctantly. And race-based relations of Mike Tirico, <laughs> thank God. All right, let's talk about one of my favorite politicians, if not my favorite politician, Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky. I thought it was George Santos. My bad. I mean, because he's no longer, he's been removed from office. He is no longer my favorite. He was like, he's like the mascot of all politicians. We should make a stuffed George Santos and like stick him right here in the back. Like a puppet. And then when we want to say stuff, we just bring out the Santos puppet. And and then we lie. We just say the stuff that we want to say and then we put the puppet back. Yeah, that would be fine. I'd be good with it. And also, I love that he's just trying to file ethics complaints on everybody before he goes out yeah. of office. Yeah. I'm no, in. That's fun. Anyways. Like I said, he's picked on our local congressman, uh, uh, Brandon Williams, as well. So, Oh, by the way, just before we dive into Thomas Massey, yeah. did you hear the verification came out? Of? It was all about an OnlyFans account, and the OnlyFans account exists. For? For Brandon Williams' daughter. Oh. So I don't know what you can get mad about. He's like, I'm going to expose your daughter's OnlyFans. And she has it. I get it as a dad. You're not happy about it, but it sounds like your issues with your daughter, not with the former aide that you apparently screamed at a lot and then said something vulgar about your daughter's page. Former campaign manager, actually. Sure. Can we use staffer? Is that okay? Yeah, but he was actually the campaign, the the, the guy who got him elected. He but was the guy. Yes. And so, like, I get it. I get why you're mad about that and somebody pointing it out. But, dude, it's true. Like, she does have it, and she does do some adult-themed stuff on there by a parent, by all accounts. Wow. So, you getting mad at the guy pointing it out is misplaced. Let's go with that. Yeah. Weird. Maybe call I mean, your daughter. Maybe give her a hug. It seems sign, like she needs Sign it. of the times, I guess. I don't yeah, even right. know what to say about it. And she's stuff. an adult. I, like, she's not right, like, yeah, she's right. not like an 18-year-old kid. She is, like, in her mid to late 20s or 30s. Also, it's the right way of saying this. Not for me. Not right. style? No, nah, like it's, there's there's some that might. Like Chubby Chasers? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. no. Yeah. I've never seen her daughter, so and I don't. And even, even by that standard, not a, not a terribly attractive woman to begin with. Some people are into stuff. All but right. it's neither here nor there. Yeah. So our boy Thomas Massey, guy who follows me on Twitter. Can I rephrase what I was just going to say? Sure. You'd be if you saw a picture of her and then found out she'd had an OnlyFans that was successful. You'd go, "Oh wow, good for her." It would be surprising I mean, news that she has a successful OnlyFans account. That's all I'm well, gonna say about it. Only if you think OnlyFans is a bunch of hot chicks. I don't. I have I no think idea. It is a bunch of weirdos who people have fetishes and do weird things on OnlyFans. I okay. have never been there, so 
what you're saying is not surprising to me. I got you. I think it's people with like six fingers have the most popular OnlyFans accounts. It's not the hottest chick, right? It's the ones who have these anomalies that are like, oh my God, that person exists. That's what I'd want to watch. I love you. <laughs> I just don't think. That's I, beautiful. Yeah. Good for you. All right, I take back what I said. So she's probably just, you know, par for the course. I guess right, it's really fair enough. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got I a I don't thing. think she's a rare feature. I think she's actually the the feature, not a bug she's of She's the rule, fans. not the exception yes, exactly is right. what you're saying. Exactly all right, right. fair. Fair enough. So, all right, Thomas Massey. Yep. We don't think his daughter has an OnlyFans account, right? I didn't, know, no, I didn't know she had a daughter. I don't even know what he does either. All right, fair enough. I apologize if he does. It's enough OnlyFans talk. Yes, we've already done that one. What is this, a George Santos rally? God. Schumer demands Massey take down anti-Semitic's tweet, or meme. It was a tweet, but it was a, uh, a meme of a tweet. So did, did you see this meme? I did. Here, I'll put it up on the screen here. So it's the, for those listening at home on the uh, podcast, before I uh, uh, tell you, describe this meme to you, please leave us a five-star rating review and share this podcast and do it safely. Anyway, it's the Drake meme where he's, uh, you know, put the hand up to, uh, to, to, to one phrase and uh, uh, welcoming to the, to the next phrase. And the first phrase is American patriotism. Nah, he doesn't want any of that. This is about Congress. Obviously, he's, this is Thomas Massey's referring to Congress. American patriotism? Nope. Zionism, yep. So they're all into Zionism. This was in following up a one of the resolutions that Congress likes to boast about and do non-things that don't matter to anybody, don't mean anything, don't actually think they're all just virtue signaling nonsense, was a resolution to, I don't know, something to... Something about the Israel-Hamas stuff. I can't remember exactly what the resolution was, but there was a resolution basically saying America stands for something, and in replying to that, uh, Thomas Massey uh, sent out this meme and caught a whole bunch of shit for it. But I got you, because yeah. the inside, it was basically a uh, Congress officially adopts the position that anti-Semitism is wrong and these what? behaviors are not welcomed in the United States, and Thomas Massey voted against it for the reason being that they, they said if you are in, like, anti-Zionism or, or stating that there are something about the Zionist agenda is anti-Semitism. And he very bluntly said, I voted against it because it conflates anti-Zionism with anti-Semitism. And I don't think that's a position we need to be taking as a government. Yeah, Zionism is political philosophy. Right. Like, it's, I'm this, against all political philosophies. <laughs> except libertarianism. That's like the... It's like the reciprocal of political philosophies. Fair. It's like the opposite. It's the exact opposite of a political philosophy. You're right. Uh, well, can it's you the undoing. down a little? I just want to see what Laura Loomer said in response. Oh, you don't want to. She is a gem, dude. Here you go. She got, she got ratioed pretty good, so. Good Lord. All right. She's part of the, uh, part of the, the tribe. Yeah, she is. Uh, she's something special all the way around. The the consistent self importance, and then as soon as anything bad happens to her, it's a. I guess you have a problem with Jewish people. Yeah, like, no, good for sure. God, could we stop, please? Um, yeah, Chuck Schumer took issue with this. Yeah, uh, actually, he sent out a tweet too. I don't know, you know, in response, basically demanding that Thomas Massey take it down, and then. Massey replied to that, basically saying, hey, you're, I think you're focusing more on my tweets than you are, you know, your job or the border or something like that, whatever. So, um, I don't, like, I mean, again, there are times, you know, let's just go back to the debt deal where I think, you know, I'm more, 
nihilistic, I guess, than Thomas Massey. I think Massey's trying to save the institution to some degree, so sure. he's more noble than I. I just wanted to burn it down. But in large, almost everything Massey does, I stand in agreement with, almost always. Like Because he seems to be the maybe the only politician who does think the government works for the people. Like, he's the only one. Everybody else thinks that, you know, we are beholden to this elitist class of uh, rulers that's supposed to, you know, sign executive orders to put us all into, you know, harmony and economic prosperity, which is all just ridiculous. Sure. I don't know. Um, All right. So this is... Even the White House, like made like the white house spokesman said something about thomas massey whatever i mean people are asking for it to resign i mean come on this is all dumb it is dumb i I mean it's it's dumb because there is an actual debate that was had on the creation of israel and then that was decided upon that it was going to be created and it 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 was and it wasn't as uh like peaceful and well received as we learn about in history books where they just snapped their fingers and all the people living in that land went yeah, that makes sense. So uh, I think it's a perfectly legitimate point to be made that, you know, American patriotism and taking care of maybe getting our own house in order before we go and worry about what's going on in Israel and Palestine is not... Or anywhere. Or anywhere else, yes. is may- Maybe we should fix stuff at home before we go campaigning in the Middle East again. Not that we don't have a terrific track record when we get involved over there. Um. It's it's a very tough situation to even talk about. And, and I guess this is my point. So Zionism, if we're agreeing on a definition of Zionism, it is the belief that the Jewish people should have a homeland. Yes? That's the basic tenet of Zionism. Uh, okay. A Jewish state. Yes. It's the existence of a Jewish state in the world. And it's like, okay, I, I mean... And the argument being, well, you know, when Jews are so persecuted, are you saying you don't want them to have a safe haven? And it's like, no, I'm not saying that. I think that if you put it in other contexts, it becomes a really uh, interesting question of, well, do you think there should be a Christian homeland? Do you think that we should be able to form a Christian-based society and just decide on some land and kick out the natives and let it be a christian homeland and uh, most people have been like no that's crazy because that's christian nationalism and that we've been led in this country to believe is bad and the same thing if we said hey what about the formation of an official muslim homeland or any other religion that you want you want a scientology homeland you want a whatever it is and that's that's where it gets very interesting to me of man that's an interesting thought experiment obviously i'm not i'm not advocating for you know getting rid of israel and wiping it all out I do think that most Americans are very ignorant on the reality of the ground and myself included. Like I know a little bit that just enough to be dangerous. Um, I do think it's weird that apparently Israelis can kick Palestinians out of their house in these areas and like just decide to move in and the government condones it. I do think it's odd. Um, The rights that are granted and or taken away from Palestinians living in Israel. I know they have I, I know they have rights. I'm not arguing that. It's just at the same time, it's weird that they can just be taken away. And and I, I don't love that idea. Um I think that it's okay to admit that you just don't know. I I, I think that's become the thing that we can no longer say. And and obviously I, I hope I don't 
need to say this, but I'm going to anyway. None of this excuses what Hamas did on October 7th. None of this excuses the the indiscriminate murder and torture and kidnapping of people based on their ethnicity or any other reason for that matter. Uh, it's not, it's not an excuse. It's a, well, where are we going from here? And what is our role as a country that is not Israel, but is our, as our own separate country, but an ally of Israel. I know some of us would wish we weren't, but we are. I don't think we should have allies. I don't disagree with that. I think George Washington actually warned against that of, Beware of entangling alliances uh, overseas, and I all think of our all of our allies are just allies in a murder cult. So it's like I don't really have much respect for people who are allies in a murder cult. Ah, I mean, I can't argue that point. Yeah, I I don't know if it's a murder cult, but I get what it's a murder cult. Is. But it's, yeah, it certainly seems to be uh, not my words. At least okay with it. Yeah, whose words were they? Uh, Shane Hazel, who's a libertarian candidate for uh, governor and senate in uh, like 2018, 2020. All right, he ran on. Basically, one of his uh, somebody goaded him into running an ad where he basically said, you know, the military. He's a former military, served in Iraq and Afghanistan, I believe. And uh, um, yeah, he calls it a murder cult. But go ahead. So I'm just echoing his term. All right, fair. Um, he was there, so I. So, so were you? I. I, I yeah, <laughs> I get it. I, I get having yeah. some conflicted feelings about this. My issue is this feels very much like post 9-11 where everything was, if you made even a reasonable criticism of like, wait, why are we going into Iraq? And it was like, oh, so you want the terrorists to win? No, your point is, I'm not, with an exclamation point, that's why they do these stupid resolutions, just to get people to vote no and then label them racist, anti-Semitic, whatever they want to do. It's just a, it's just a ploy to divide a certain ideas and thought, uh, uh, you know, a group of people who think a certain way and label them something that they want to, you know, deplorable, whatever. Like they can label them however they want them, but that's what that's what they do. They, they have these resolutions. They're literally just a, a way of branding people. Yeah, and I guess my, my concern on this entire front is, well, what are we going to do? I mean, you want to go, I, what, excuse me, what Hamas did was, Awful, and I get the counter-argument that, well, they elected Hamas. Well, they elected Hamas in 2006, and there hasn't been an election since. So I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with that information, but okay. I also understand that they elected Hamas at the time for a reason, and that's because they did feel, right or wrong, that they were having injustices done upon them. And that's, I mean, accurate. I think if most Americans were subject to the rules that Palestinians live under within Gaza and the West Bank, we would definitely be screaming that our rights were being violated. Is that a fair, safe, safe bet to make? Um, and now it's, you're here, and I, I get it, but the it seems to me that the Israeli army carrying out the indiscriminate bombings of buildings, and I mean, they literally blew up a refugee camp to get one, Hamas guy like they the collateral damage is just astronomical and that seems again to me short-sighted because the point of terrorism is the response that's the entire reason you do terrorism that's why 9-11 happened that's why most of these attacks happen is to get the response and it's if you're one of the people on this issue just going like hey guys slow down slow down let's actually think this through and let's figure out is this a good idea long-term anti-semite terrorist sympathizer 
Like, no, 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 I'm just saying, I think we can all agree in hindsight that the invasion of Iraq was a net negative for the United States of America. Even John McCain said it was a mistake of course. before he died. I think we can also concur. Uh, uh, the only person who still hasn't is uh, uh, admitted that it was a mistake is Nikki Haley, I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Dick Cheney. She wants to go back in. I mean, yo, rich Dick Cheney got because of those wars. My God, he, he's definitely still in favor. Um, but it's the same way of, I think if you look back of, what did we accomplish in Afghanistan? What did we accomplish in Iraq? Did we make either of those places markedly better? Did we, did we help our own standing in the world by doing this? And I say this as somebody who I did. I fought in Iraq. Like, I, I was there. And it is a hard pill to swallow when you start looking at it and you're going, if we're not going to learn the lessons from the mistakes we make and we're just going to go all ahead full, what the hell are we doing? Like, at some point, you got to be allowed to just say, hey, wait, 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 wait. All right, so you're going to go and eliminate this entire thing. Like, you're not worrying about collateral damage, and they're like, well, until Hamas is completely gone. You can't eliminate Hamas. No. Listen, this is the, the manifestation of Eisenhower's military-industrial complex. It's going nowhere. It's, th there, is right. no, there is no long-term goal of there's – no, there's no reason to establish Peace. an end. Right. Like they want it in forever. You want That's why these are forever wars. They do not want ends to wars. They bank accounts goes down when that happens. They need so. a new enemy to fight all the time. Which yeah. is and they need to satisfy the, the, the bloodlust they have as a murder cult. I mean, <laughs> sure. The so, money is just a bonus. I mean, listen, I think money is probably the primary incentive along with uh, power. Um, but I do. I, and, and their bloodlust. And listen, if we're, let's. Ah, Timber. My bad. That's so right. let's talk October 7th even then. Yeah. Of, am, I, am I allowed to have some skepticism about the official story? Is that, or is that anti-Semitic? Am I allowed to be a little bit skeptical that the most well-funded, well-connected, and informed intelligence agency in the history of the world? They fell asleep was, and the cameras went down. Hang on. Inside of the country with the most secure monitored and protected border in the history of the world somehow got infiltrated by 1100 Palestinians some of whom were in hang gliders and well i'm sure they replied replied swiftly and took them out 6 hours <laughs> went by before a single military unit and listen we're not talking about they were in California and had to come to New York. Like, Israel just ain't that big, folks. Yeah, it's, it's as big as New Jersey. It's about, it's about the size of New Jersey. And you took six hours on this actively protected border where you constantly have police and, uh, and other convoys going into Palestine. Like, this isn't new. Yeah. And you had nobody available for six hours? And again, the most informed, connected devious intelligence agency in the history of the world. And listen, I'm, I'm familiar with CIA. So that is saying something. And I'm not allowed to be like, Hey, how, how listen, did this e happen? Even Charlie Kirk, the biggest Israel support, or one of the biggest, was like, it took me 45 minutes to get from one side of Israel to the other in a helicopter. Like it should not take six hours for, as Anything. you point out, for, for even, a local police officer, like some, some, something, right. some reactions, like there was no fighting whatsoever. They just let them 
unfettered for six hours. Yeah, nonsense. that's what I'm nonsense. having a hard time with. It's all and, nonsense. And, and again, and now you go back and you listen to the. They clips. got all their videos. They got all their tweets. They got all their, their everybody riled up, and they got they got to do what they got. They did it. It worked. And then you get Benjamin Netanyahu's clip from I think 2003, where he's talking to his own party, and he said, "If you favored a one-state solution of Israel being in control of the entire area, you must support Hamas." You must. They are. We're going to financially support them. We're going to back them. We don't want the Palestinian Liberation Army anymore. We want Hamas in charge because Hamas cannot be reasoned with. They are nothing but a terrorist organization, so we're going to prop them up. So I think we could say that it's... Oh, what's the right way of saying this? That the current prime minister, who's also facing some ridiculous upheaval at home right now because of some of the restructuring he's trying to do to the government... Uh, to consolidate his own power there is now all of a sudden off the hook because they have this invasion. And he was one of the ones who encouraged the supporting of Hamas, which then won the election and hasn't held an election since. And I, again, I'm going to say the normal disclaimer here. None of this excuses October 7th. None of this excuses the actions of the Hamas leadership, the Hamas terrorists, or the individuals that partook in this and helped kidnap, murder, rape, or facilitated any of the above. I am not arguing that it's okay. You don't have a few questions? Like one or two? None of this is just all lining up to you of like this all, like they hate us for our freedom. This isn't ringing that bell to you of, hey, wait, how? How did this, how did this go down this way? I don't, I genuinely don't understand how this could have possibly happened. And then you look at, well, what is the response coming from Israel? They're leveling Gaza, and for some reason the West Bank, even though West Bank had absolutely nothing to do with what happened in Gaza. So, what? Like, am I allowed to just be like, and then now if I, if if you ask me like, hey, how much money should we send to Israel as a government? How much are your taxpayers? What do you think, like 10 billion? And I'm going, I, I'm not, I'm not sure I want to send tax money to Israel right now. I think that maybe this is their thing and and they have more than enough money and more than enough soldiers that they can take care of this and they they don't need our money it's not like our money is going to be the difference between life and death of the of the country and we meanwhile back home at the country you know that we're actually responsible for uh we have a, a, an open southern border that's having more in people coming in than ever before we have 34 trillion dollars of debt we have infrastructure that is legitimately crumbling. Um, we we have we have problems. We have a military that is so undermanned right now; it's laughable because they kicked every, they kicked out a bunch of people. Their recruits are way down. Like they just started doing advertisements with white men again, and it was the funniest thing. Dash, somebody, I don't know if you saw they removed the, anybody who got the who was removed from the because of the vax mandate. They reached back out and said you can come back. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of those people are going to be like, "Thank you, I Thanks. can't wait." No, those people are gone. 99% of those people are not coming back. Sorry, it's just the reality. Um, but, like, we have we have all of these problems of our own to deal with. We have levels of corruption in our own government that are almost unheard of anywhere in the world. We have money being pissed away on every pet project, on every, like, circle-jerking lobbying donor class that you could be. And if I just want to go, well, wait a minute, what, why are we going to do this? And then what's the next step? Well, we got we to get rid of Hamas. Like, you can't get rid of Hamas without killing basically every Palestinian. Like, so? But, well, wait a minute, why is that okay? But then you object when they say from the river to the sea, Palestine should be free. Well, that's calling for wiping out the Jews. I agree, that's wrong. But it's okay to wipe out the Palestinians? Yeah. 
because they voted for Hamas. Like, well, we voted for our government to just kill about a million people in the Middle East. So is that justify us getting bombed individually? I fought in the war. I apologize. I, listen, I, I freely acknowledge I got lied into combat. Like, I, I, have no, I have no bones about it. It was my fault. I got propagandized, and I joined up, and I was ready to go take the fight to the terrorists because they hated our freedom and our way of life, and I needed to do something about it. And then we found out after the fact, like, oh, it was all bullshit. So my question, I guess, for the average person listening is, how long are you going to listen to these people? Why do you continue to place your blind trust in people that have demonstrated that at best, they don't care about lying to you, and at worst, they actually enjoy it and see it as their responsibility? Yeah. No. How, how long am I supposed to give these people the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, I mean... Without being called an anti-Semite. Like, I'm not. I promise. I'm not anti-anybody. I'm a, I fully understand of my own ignorance that maybe there's more to this situation than I am capable of grasping with the 10 minutes a week I spend reading about it. Yeah, but you got to pick a side. I, I don't think I have to pick a side. I, I'm, I'm, I'm for a the side of peace, as always. I don't want terrorist attacks coming in Israel, America, or anywhere else. And I don't want military campaigns that legitimately level buildings and refugee camps in the name of getting one bad guy. I don't want that. I think that both of those, and it's not like they're equally wrong, but they're both wrong. And again, the lesser of two evils is still evil. So if, if this is what you're asking me for, I'm telling you that individually I might feel some way about it. But here's how you're going to know if I feel like a particular cause is worth my tax money going to and supporting me in combat. I'll go fight. If I'm not willing to go and fight in it and go die for it, I'm not asking other people to do that either then. And honestly, it's, I, I have nothing but sympathy for the Palestinians. I have nothing but sympathy for the Israelis. I have nothing but an ignorance of the entirety of the complexity of the nature and how bad this situation really is. I understand the limitations of my knowledge. And so for me to just come in and take a side, like I did when I was 18 years old and we were invading Iraq, now I've learned, hey, you're probably not getting the whole picture. You're probably just getting propagandized. You're probably just getting the snippets they want for the result they want, which inevitably is more war, more military industrial spending more campaigns, more death. I, like, this is what we know we're getting, and I, I think... Sounds like a murder cult. I'm going to end this rant with... If you ask the average person, hey, does the media propagandize people? How many out of 100? 99 out of 100. Yeah, I, yes. Yeah. 100%. They absolutely propagandize people. And then you turn the question around and go, has the media propagandized you? Nope. No. Too smart for that. I'm just too smart. And I'm going, well... Then who are they propagandizing? Like, and you know, ironically, it's always the people that believe in another political ideology. If you ask the Republicans, they know the Democrats have been misled. If you ask the Democrats, they know the Republicans have been misled. But not my side. My side got the facts. Yeah. It's all, it's beyond broken. So I could always root for uh, uh, peaceful collapse. This is pretty much what I root for every wake up. I always look and check my watch that I don't wear and hope that it gives me a message of peaceful collapse has occurred and you're free to go about your business you know that's not happening right but i hope up every day i wake up that's right. the goal so all right just check it i only have one goal all right let's talk about our boy hunter biden here i want to say quote unquote <laughs> finally but like i mean come on so oh hunter biden indicted on nine felony counts the uh what do you call uh, 
special counsel David Weiss, that beacon of truth and transparency. Um, uh, here it says, uh, invasion of tax assessment, failure to file and pay taxes, and for filing false and fraudulent tax returns. Uh, the list includes... Subverting the payroll and tax withholding process of his own company, Owasco. It's fun that I know all the uh, the Finger Lakes, the Native American terms that uh, Hunter Biden likes to use because they're all towns around here. Yeah, like we, all, yeah we live yeah, in we live county in names. Um, by withdrawing millions outside of the payroll and tax withholding process. Uh, second, spending millions on an extravagant lifestyle. In 2018, failing to pay his outstanding and overdue taxes for the year of 2015. Willfully failing to pay his 2016-2009 taxes on time, despite having millions in funds. Willfully failing to file his 2017 and 18 tax returns. And using false business deductions in order to evade assessments of tax substantial, uh, reduces tax liabilities. I do have the uh, indictment up here, and I went down to this itemized uh, uh, list of uh, things that are cited in this uh, indictment. And right at the top... million in ATM withdrawals. That's. (laughs) I mean, what are you doing? Over how long of a time period is this? Uh, I think this was four years. Okay. No, maybe this was just, oh yeah, 2016, 2019. Number two, payments to various women. Just, that's that's the description. 683,000. Now, mind you, this seems to be, because it's itemized, Only different than the down here where it says adult entertainment for $188,000. I don't know, you know, I'm assuming that's different than the various women at the top. So let's add those together. We got like a million dollars on chicks. Sure. And we don't know, you know, all this other miscellaneous retail purchases, probably, you know, S&M gear. Hey, by the way, if you're offended by the notion that that means chicks, uh, let's just go that's best case scenario because Hunter Biden ain't gay. So if adult entertainment doesn't mean women, it means something way worse. So let's just pray to God that that's what that means. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could go back to the OnlyFans discussion. It's not. Um, Anyway, this, I guess, do you expect Hunter Biden to serve jail time? (laughs) That's so funny. No. So apparently he's facing what up to, uh, what's it say here? He faces up to 17 years in prison. What do you think? Um, how many of the 17 years do you think he, he faces? Do you think he gets? He gets you don't, you don't probation think... and he gets, I don't even know. He gets probation and a slap and a fine. I mean, so there's clearly still no, uh, what do you call them? Fair, uh, violations in this, uh, you know, they bet they better be coming. You would think, I mean, those are the things that if there was, if, if there was, uh, illegal dealings with the Biden, the Biden family. And I said, if, and, you know, All right. I paused, if I knew what I was doing and, or whatever the, that's how the Biden family goes down is with the FARA violations, right? Like he, every, all the rest of the family could just be like, Hunter's a crackhead and didn't know how to file his taxes, right? And they can dismiss all this stuff as that's an individual's problem, individual irresponsibility, individual whatever. They're without any kind of 
bleed over to the actual Hunter Biden family or the, the, the rest of the Biden family anyway. It's the fair violations that will eventually bring in Jim Biden and all the other Bidens into the uh, into the, the Frank. Is there a Frank Biden? There's a Frank Biden. It's terrible. Um, anyway, I, this should be big news. The president's son indicted on felony tax evasion charges, especially knowing the history of Hunter Biden and his dealings uh, around the world uh, and social, you know, problems. Um, <laughs> what? He's got problems. Listen, here's my... I, I, this should be... I mean, every, everybody report on the story, so it's not like, you know, there was a media shut blackout of the story, but this is such a tip of the iceberg to Hunter Biden, and they didn't even want this to come out. Remember, they tried to do a plea deal where they were like, oh, this was going to get, you know, like, oh, no, let just, you know, we'll plead guilty to a you know, minor gun charge and all this stuff will go away. And you never have to worry about a single Farrah yeah, violation. Yeah, no, nothing. So, I, I don't have faith in Weiss to, to, to push the envelope any further than this. I think this is about where it ends. There would have to be some kind of additional or earth-shattering breaking news, some data revelation of something to implicate the rest of the Biden family before they get any of these Farrah charges. And it might not happen until another presidential administration, you know, appoints a new AG. Yes. Also, I I gotta say this just to get the record clean ahead of time. I think Farah is the biggest nonsensical law that has ever been enacted. I I do. I think that it's an infringement on your freedom of speech and your right to petition the government and everything else. Yes, if you are lobbying and what you are lobbying for happens to also benefit another country, or even if you are benefiting for that country, who cares? Like, if you think that China is great and you're advocating for positions that, that benefit China, I don't understand why, like, you need to file this formal registration and everything else. It's for your unless, safety. Um, there is one country that you don't have to do that for. It's going to be Argentina next, but... It's Israel. Oh, oh, well. you, can, you, can, you can absolutely gotcha. go and, and advocate for Israeli positions without having to register as a foreign agent. Well, that's convenient. It's not weird. It's convenient. But anyways, uh, so much for that no tangling alliances thing that yeah. George Washington gave us. Um, I I do think that this is going to result in ultimately nothing. My only hope is that as this continues to go down this path, they do bring up Farah because, listen, this is the problem I have. Once you start opening these damn doors of Farah and you wanted to go get uh, Michael Flynn on a Farah charge and everybody was like, on what? This is like this insane little rule that we that's never actually acted upon. Like, well, it is now. Like, oh shit, a lot of people better register immediately as a foreign agent. Uh, and it sounds really dangerous and bad. Yeah. Like in, in reality, it's a okay. So if you like were advocating for world peace and you wanted to do whatever it was to stop war, you could get brought up on FARA because there's other countries that could like, oh, I went to a think tank that has also done this and we got money from Argentina. Like, well, did you register as a representative of argentina no guilty yeah like whoa I, yeah I, listen i so i think the law is a joke but i also think that he is in direct violation of it and there's yeah. no question and listen i'm i'm equal opportunity in all of my despise not despisement hatred for all of these people because listen i, I mean hunter biden absolutely flew on air force two went to china came back with a one billion dollar investment in his hedge fund now 
Hunter Biden is a hedge fund manager. Did y'all know that? Very successful one, apparently. Obviously, because he's Hunter Biden and he has all these qualifications. Guru. Guru who spends millions of dollars on adult entertainment, women, and ATM withdrawals, which obviously $1.6 million of ATM withdrawals over a four-year period of time is totally normal and probably not for any untold purposes. He likes the tipping cash, I heard. Good for him. Apparently, he's a good tipper. (laughs) He I, likes, I think he gives the whole thing, not just the tip. I mean, that seems to be the case based on the <laughs> damn videos that you made me watch. Um, I just think at this point, it's you've opened Pandora's box, and here we are. And this is where I was going to follow up with that. At the same time, Jared Kushner went to the Middle East and was spearheading Middle Eastern policy, and then when he got out of office, the Saudi family gave a $2 billion investment into his hedge fund. The PIF. Now, I'm going to say that I think Jared Kushner is probably more qualified to run a hedge fund than Hunter Biden is, but that is a really low bar, and obviously, $2 billion over one. Jared Kushner's winning, but neither one of these are on the up and up. Neither one of these are legitimate business dealings, and everybody should be outraged by both of them. We're not. The idea that Hunter Biden had a bank account with his father, the president of the United States, and that money was being funded by businesses with direct ties to China— and then was used to pay for one of Joe Biden's houses. I mean, it's not a great look. And if the standard is based on everything we just saw about the Trump-Russia collusion, like if this is the standard that we're going after, if you're going to tell me the media, the Department of Justice, and the public at large is going after this China-Biden relationship with the same vitriol, attention to detail, and standards that they were going after the Trump-P-Tape-Russia collusion story, I'm going to call you a liar. And this is where I have a hard time taking any of it seriously. Because I know full well, like, listen, I know full well Joe Biden is utterly corrupt and has taken bribes. There is no question. Hunter Biden has no appreciable skill other than being Hunter Biden and... Whoa. I mean, appreciable was the wrong he's word. He's an artist. Marketable. He's skill. an artist. Oh my god! He sold art, therefore marketable. Marketable skill as an artist, where his paintings day one were going for more than Rembrandt's. Well, I mean, the person who bought the paintings ended up like the. Uh, I know appoint, appointed this. to something someplace else. What? Well, number one, the initial when hostages were taken in Israel, the first hostages were released were actual family members of one of the people who bought a ton of Hunter Biden's artwork. I see. Leverage. Uh, marketable skill. I'm but saying. again, every and time it comes you back know to he has great videography skills. He he does. And he has yet to put the implement them into a professional <laughs> lifestyle. But you can clearly see he has a talent for an eye for video making. Listen, if he was, video records everything. If if Hunter Biden just wanted to spend his life gallivanting around the world, profiting off the name Biden. A YouTuber? Nailing hookers and smoking crack, I don't I would subscribe care. to that channel. <laughs> Driving 80, 160 miles an hour down the Vegas Strip, I don't care. None of my business. You're a private citizen. Live your life. The problem is, once you start going down this road, it's not a very big leap to take to go, so Joe Biden knew about this and was directly benefiting and profiting from it, but he can't admit that, so he's leveraged as the president I can't wait of the for United this. States. Remember the second laptop that the Russians stole when he passed out in the bathtub yeah i forgot about that i can't wait till that comes up oh god help me then it'll just be trump more trump disinformation uh the guy like guys i don't know how many again how much benefit of the doubt do you want to give this guy the guy is so unbelievably corrupted he is so dirty and he's been in he's been in political power 
for like 40 years. 50. 50 years. And like you're shocked to learn that he's got a few skeletons in the closet. I mean, for the love of God, his wife died and he married the babysitter. Like that's weird. And he, you know, broke up her marriage. That house was for sale last year. Was it? Yeah. Did you buy it? No, it's in Strathmore. Oh. You're neck of the woods. I'm not living in Strathmore. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Any more Hunter Biden uh, takes? No, I'm just not optimistic, but good. I'm glad he's at least indicted. Yeah. Step in the right direction. I guess. But I'm not getting my hopes up. All right. So, the man, the myth, the legend, the prophet, Alex Jones, reinstated on Twitter. I don't call it X. On Twitter, banned in 2018. Mm-hmm. Now, he was banned everywhere in 2018, literally almost simultaneously. Twitter held on a little bit longer. They were, Dorsey kind of was the, the, the last holdout, but anyway, they eventually got him too. You know, there had been clamoring for Alex Jones to be reinstated to Twitter. Um, since Elon took over, uh, I do think that the interview with Tucker Carlson, did you happen to see any of that? Yeah, Alex Jones I watched interview. like the first half. I haven't gotten to the I think about right, that's about how I fart got into it as well. But I do think that that interview like catapulted his reinstatement. So obviously they touch upon a bunch of things there. Um, you know, Elon Musk, if you remember back when he was originally pressed on reinstating Alex Jones, he cited the death of his first child, I think, or one of his chi- children. Uh, and he has no sympathy for people who deny child murder. Right. And so who, who profited off of whatever. So in the Alex Jones, if you got this far into the interview, Alex Jones points out that he's like, well, I was, I was, he's like, all that hand, that Sandy Hook stuff came, you know, kind of was like brought back up. He's like, when in real time, when it happened, he's like, I wasn't suspended for any of that stuff. He's like, they eventually decided to suspend me. And then they went back and used that as the, right. the, the tool to do so. So, um, I'm glad he's back only because I like to hear things and, you know, I want to hear when the the next amphibian is going to turn gay. I want to know ahead of time. And I will say, you know, Tucker was in the interview. It's, you could, I think he was genuinely like intrigued on how Alex's Alex Jones's mind work to predict some of the things that he predicted, like specifically nine 11. Did you get to that far into the interview where he was talking about like, like, how did you know? Like right. I was, I was around there. He's like, I didn't think this and whatever. And so how did you put it all together? Kind of stuff. So there is some level of information that comes out of him as bizarre as it seemingly is on a daily basis, that there is enough truth buried in there that it's worth him being in the town square. Right. Yeah. I mean, whether, whatever you think, I mean, listen, I, you know, I'm not trying to defend him all of his stuff. He's, clearly got a, a crazy streak um but Listen. his enough of his nuggets have bubbled into something legitimate that he is a valuable contributor to the town square yeah i mean i think he's uh, i i think alex jones is just overblown at this point of like he's he's got a, like a conspiracy theorist and i think of late he is a he's not as interesting to me as he once was admittedly 
like the January 6th stuff and all that kind of, he, he kind of turned me off a little bit from listening to him anymore of, of like, all right, whatever. I, I love the, the older stuff, especially because he was killing it between uh, Bohemian Grove. Uh, the 9-11 stuff was yeah. wild. Um, they're turning the frogs gay, which turned out to have more truth with than anybody wants to acknowledge. Yeah, Not ooh. gay, but they, there yeah. was definitely gender switching going on with chemicals that are then put in water. I was weird. Like, and if that sounds crazy to you, either you haven't looked into this and read about it, or maybe I'm just making stuff up. I'll let you decide, but you, you can look into it. It's, it's not, they didn't actually turn the frogs gay, but it was, it was weird how close he was on that one. Um, I just think at this point, like, look up until October 7th, every single person in the leadership of Hamas was on Twitter. Uh, the Ayatollah of Iran was on Twitter. Twitter. Um, American war criminals were on Twitter. I, I, I don't I don't know what I got to tell you that why is Alex Jones off? And, and that's where it gets sort of laughable. And I, I think for the most part, I need a really significant reason if I'm going to cheer on anybody being silenced. All right. I, I'm not trying to take anybody's voice away personally, even as a private actor. So if I decide that Alex Jones is so troubling and and so such a degenerate human being that he doesn't deserve to be listened to, I have this plan. Now, now bear with me. Stick with me because it gets a little complicated. I'm not going to follow him on Twitter. And then I can even go further. I can mute him. And if that still is insufficient, there's this block feature where I can literally just click two buttons and I never have to see a single word he says on Twitter. Now, you might have to get into the weeds a little bit because at the top of Twitter, there's for you and following. And if you just go with that for you, you might end up still seeing some ancillary stuff. Just go to the following. It sounds like you're an extremist. I'm saying. I, I know that this is a crazy plan, but if I decide that there's something I just don't want to listen to because somebody is so morally reprehensible that I don't want to hear anything they have to say about any subject in the world. And I don't think others should either. It's, it's so crazy that I might just say, if other people want to listen to him, he, they can. I'm going to choose not to, so I'm just going to block him. Or, and I know this is extreme, I could just stay off Twitter. I mean, those are fighting words. Mind blown, right? Fighting words. I don't know. I'm saying. I, I think this is fake, but I, I have this up on the screen here. So this is a crowd full of people here in a bar, and they have a big TV up here. Now, I think I've seen this video before. Oh, I've seen this video Where, like, they too. just put a bunch of shit up here yeah. but, and to make it look, look like they're cheering it. But yeah, what they parody. did was reactivate Alex Jones's account, which makes this a great, break this little video here. So, you know, they do a little refresh. That didn't work for, it worked for us. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. And again, I but, just think people make too big of a deal out of the guy. But I, I guess, and I guess we missed this part of the, the story. So t eventually Elon, after the, the Tucker interview, put up a poll. Yep. Got like 2 million votes. 70% said bring back Alex Jones. So, I was one of them. Yeah, me too. Listen, I would. who's somebody that's like equal and opposite on the other side of the political? I, I don't care who it is. I'm against permanent bans of anybody on a public discourse site. 
I, oh, like, so you just support people who deny child murders? Like, no, you idiot, because it's not binary choices. It's the guy. Everything's binary. The guy made an entire living on coming up with off-the-wall stuff, and more of it turned out to be true than any of us would care to acknowledge. Sorry, but he was talking about Epstein Island and the, the elite pedophiles and intelligence agents. That's how I heard about it. 10 to 15 years before anybody yeah. had heard the name Jeffrey yeah. Epstein in that context. Yeah. And it was easy to, I mean, that talk about easy to dismiss. Like, hey, 15 years ago, uh, 15 is too, 25 years ago, if I went to you, it was like, hey, look, there's like this elite ring of people that basically run the world. Billionaire pedophiles. And CIA, and they're pedophiles. And what they do is they traffic children all around to each other. And then they either use their blood or they have sex with them or they turn their blood into adrenochrome and they like drink it to stay young. And they really run most of the world and they're in charge of media, they're in charge of military intelligence and, and, and even heads of state and elected officials. And what they did do is they went around and they got dirt on people by getting them with underage girls in order to completely control them. Leaders of other countries, leaders within our own country, business leaders, media leaders, all that. You'd be like, um, how high are you right now? Like, that would have been the question. And now, I guess some people don't want to acknowledge it's that pervasive, but Jeffrey Epstein had an entire island. Um, and, and where did the money come from? So all of this stuff, it turns out. I mean, Robert he Maxwell's said, the answer. He said, there's an island. There's an island where they do this. And you're like, come on. And then Epstein Island comes out. You're like, oh, shit. I wish that wasn't true. That's messed up. But it turned out to be true. So, I mean, Alex Jones, this is his life is going through and reading all of these obscure documents from all of these think tanks and around the world, connecting dots into wild conspiracies, and you're not going to bat a thousand at that. So, yes, he, he got Sandy Hook wrong. I get, I, I'm not, not forgiving him. I'm not excusing it. I'm just going to state this as a simple fact of when you have been repeatedly told how indecent and, and awful of a person you are for pointing things out that later turned out to be true, I think it's totally understandable when you get one wrong, you're still going to be, your instinct will be to double down, will be to be like, I'm not wrong. I've been told I've been wrong my entire life and I've been telling you I'm right and I'm right again. And then it turns out you're wrong. And this is a terrible thing to be wrong about. So do I think that Alex Jones set out to intentionally inflict emotional distress on the parents of children who were killed in, a, in Sandy Hook. No, I don't. I think Alex Jones believed what he was saying. And I know in his court doc case, he said he didn't believe it. He's just an entertainer. Yeah, listen, welcome to the legal world. It's called legal world. It's called kitchen sink defense. You throw up every potential defense you possibly can in the light that you get found not guilty. It's that simple. This is law 101. Anybody who has a law background and is telling you you should take that seriously is not being serious. It's you throw up every potential defense to defamation that's it and one of them is it's true one of them is it's just entertainment it shouldn't be taken as fact there's all of these boilerplate defenses and they're throwing them up there as any good lawyer would so i i get it it's terrible and I, i'll always love it well what if your child was killed and this guy did all this like yeah no i would hate him yeah. i would fucking despise this man if that was the case but maybe that's not the objective person that you want to ask about public policy at that exact moment in time. Maybe that's, that's why we always try to take a step back and have a dispassionate discussion on what is for the betterment of society, not the person with the most enraged passions at that exact moment in time. Yeah. Listen, I, you know, I followed him. I'm, you know, I'll listen to what he has to say. Like I do. I had, I didn't listen to the Twitter spaces, which apparently a bunch of, 
a cool, you know, an eclectic group of people showed up to. And there's a, I had the, uh, the uh, uh, article just up there a second ago, but it had uh, um, like Vivek Ramaswamy showed up, Elon showed up, uh, Andrew Tate showed up. Uh, apparently I was listening to a video from Alex to yesterday or today where he basically said, you know, you know, I was supposed to be the one being interviewed, but by the time I got into it, I would just started interviewing Elon Musk. He's like, so I'm going to post that on my InfoWars. So you can go watch InfoWars where he uh, flips the tables and interviews Elon Musk. Um, I would also encourage people to listen to that Alex Jones-Tucker interview. It was... Uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Tucker's great. You think he's going to be VP? No. That'd be awesome. I find Tucker... Could you imagine a Trump, like the the heads exploding on the other side of the aisle if a Trump Tucker was the actual ticket? Yeah. There'd be, there'd be heads exploding. That would be funny. Like in, just spontaneously on the streets, people would be thinking about it, just heads exploding. I think the only thing funnier would be if it was Trump and Vivek as the VP. <laughs> I mean, people have been, have thought that Vivek has been positioning himself for a VP the whole time. He's doing a great job. Because he, he needs a younger, you know, Trump is is limited to four years, right? So there's going to have to be a baton passing of some sort. If, if there is going to be one, you know, it wasn't going to be to Mike Pence. Listen. So whoever it is this time has to be the heir apparent. Vivek Ramaswamy, as near as I can tell from all the available evidence, is a duplicitous biopharma fraudster who made his money on bullshit medications and then selling businesses that were not worth nearly what he sold them for and will say anything in a given moment based on how the room is read. He is so entertaining at a debate. <laughs> Holy crap, is he funny? Does he make things interesting? And give credit where credit is due. He is eviscerating the anti-Trump people. He is making Nikki Haley a household name for all the wrong reasons. He told Chris Christie, get off the stage and go have a meal at the last debate. Like, this dude does not care at all. And all he's doing is, so wait a minute, there's a duplicitous showy social media figure that is going to be maybe teaming up with someone. I can't imagine who that would be. But when he said to the crowd, he, he roasted Nikki Haley twice. I think this is where he ended her career. Uh, the first one was when he said, do you want real change? And do you want to stop getting involved in these forever wars? Or do you want Dick Cheney in three inch heels? Which was the funniest comment I've ever heard directed at a person in my entire life. And the other one he said was, Nikki Haley, don't, let's not confuse foreign policy experience with foreign policy expertise. All right? Nikki Haley wants you to believe that she is smarter than you and more informed on this topic, and that's why you just don't understand why we need to go fight in these provinces. But Nikki Haley cannot name three provinces in the Ukraine where we should go and fight and die. And her face went, uh, it was, oh, shoot, it's over. And then he pointed out, Chris Christie, you can't name three provinces over your idea of foreign relations is building a tunnel or building a bridge or knocking it down. Something about a bridge from New York to New Jersey. So you don't even belong on this state. Yeah, he blocked it. Do you remember he blocked the bill? Yeah, the yeah. building of the bridge. And no, he blocked. So there was, oh. there was a, I mean, the story goes, Christie got mad at somebody in New York. They he purposely put construction up on the bridge from or two from New from New Jersey to New York City, and then like some ambulances like had people die in them on the way there. So like he got a, caught a lot of shit for the uh, oh, bridge boy. gate, whatever you want to call it. But yeah, so that I was a reference to that. that I'm assuming, yeah, yeah. Now. yeah, blocking the bridge from New York to New Jersey, and that when 
like basically the adults are talking now. So why don't you get off the stage, go eat a meal and stay to yourself. And, it, and somebody said like fat jokes are beneath the dignity of the office. Like not anymore. They're not welcome to the post Trump world, baby. This is all, all, everything's allowed all of a sudden. It does not matter. Yeah. I, I'm not saying I agree with it, but I accept the world as it is. And the world as it is right now is madness. And this is where, because Trump should have zero chance of winning an election. In any rational timeline in history, Donald Trump should have a 0% chance of getting elected. The fact that he not only got elected once, but has a realistic chance of being elected a second time after getting voted out, does nothing but demonstrate how insane and upside down everything is right now. Listen, I'm back to the Donald Trump would have one more vote than he had before, previous, and that's to be mine because I'm going <laughs> to vote for him in 2024 unless something changes. So, I'm not voting for Donald Trump in 2024 unless he's in prison. Yeah, I mean, it's he's in a. You could perceive him in a prison now. Like they've clearly tried to trap this dude into you know and neuter him as best as they possibly right. can. The people just aren't having it. That's that's what they can't get. When he says, and listen, I think he's a pompous ass, right? But sure. when he says they're coming after me because they're coming after you, it's li- it's literally true. I know. They they want to suppress the people. They want to keep people under control. Whether or not Trump is actually the person who's going to free the people, I doubt highly. Highly, doubt. but the people are like, you know what? You all hate this dude. We're going to vote for him anyway. That was the funniest vote ever. Is basically like, you know what? Screw you. Yeah, I deal with him. I I think and that's where I'm at like 10x right now. Like I'm just like screw it. I'm just going to vote for the dude because of the the people who are trying to take him out are the people who I despise with a passion. I think there's a correlation to draw between Alex Jones and Donald Trump in this regard of your ethical code is based on how you feel about the worst person you know. So as mu- like Alex Jones I don't think is an evil human being, but I think Alex Jones despite doing these heinous things of of Sandy Hook denialism and all that, you don't lose your right to free speech just because of that. Like it's Alex Jones is an easy person to just dismiss and have be okay with kicking off of the town square and not listening to and silencing. And Donald Trump is a terrible person to cheer for their individual freedoms or their individual rights. But it's still wrong. Like, what the Department of Justice has done to Donald Trump since he left office is objectively corrupt and wrong. It should not happen. And the fact that it has happened, and again, if they were actually going after all of the former presidents when they left office for every transgression, okay, that's the standard. But you're trying to make an exception. Like, you won't even go after the current president and his son for clear examples of bribery and tax evasion. But you're going to go after Donald Trump for committing fraud to obtain so a loan making up, they're, that they're, he repaid. These are called, I mean, when they say, oh, there's a novel approach to this. Like, okay, so you're literally it's a witch Making hunt. it up. You're making it up right. on the fly. And this is where I... Find the guy, for, we'll find you the crime. For the duration of the show you and I have been doing, I've been saying... I don't want to defend Donald Trump. I, yeah. I don't like defending Donald Trump. I can't stand the guy. Stop making me because my my ethical code does not change based on who it's applied to. My own personal moral compass is the same regardless whether I agree or disagree with you. Is Look, if this is right, then it's right. And if it's wrong, then it's wrong. And I think what the, what the government and the powers that be are doing to Donald Trump is objectively wrong. And if they did it to Joe Biden under the same framework when he left office, I would say the same thing. It's wrong. If you have clear-cut evidence of an actual crime, awesome. 
If you're taking a novel approach to the application of some vague and unnecessary law, I don't think that's right. I think that what you're doing is so transparently obvious of trying to get him. Uh, the idea that they're trying to take him off the ballot yeah, without even a trial is so wrong to me that I can't even put it into words. The idea that they're trying to say he committed treason based on January 6th without even a trial is insane. Yeah. And I would say the same thing if they said, well, Joe Biden is an agent of, of China and he had, we're kicking him off the ballot. You can't until he has a trial. You have to find him guilty before you do this. This is crazy. What do you think? Two more things, then we can get out of here. All right. Do you think about Biden saying Trump's the only reason why he's still running? I don't think Biden knows where Trump or himself is at this point. I mean, Biden's not running, but I think it's funny that he's still holding. It's cute. I mean, we go back to the Biden thing with Hunter Biden facing felony charges. My guess is this is where Joe Biden steps away, where he says yeah, it's bringing right. undue, I, it's undue light to my family, and I don't want to put them through this any longer. Clearly, they've they've put out enough polls now to be like, hey, Biden, look at these polls, and I think polls are manipulated at like at like Best at a minimum scenario, at yeah. a minimum they're manipulated, right? So. When the polls all come out and be like, the manipulated polls all come out and be like, hey, Trump's beating you everywhere. That's a, hey, you get the, get the F out. Get out. So, because the polls, again, are run by people who typically push the establishment. The problem that they have is not, uh, listen, getting Joe Biden to step down at the age of 102 is not terribly difficult. Like, the guy is senile. He has moments. He is sundowners. He wouldn't even know. He would have no idea. And the public would be very accepting. They'd be like, oh, yeah, you, 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 you were great. Right. If they just said, hey, Hunter Biden's facing all this. And Joe Biden, this is your, this is your angle, by the way. Uh, my son is being unfairly targeted because of his connection and me and my involvement in this race. And I just I look around my family, and they're also being the subject of these vicious attack by the MAGA portion of this country. And I can no longer in good conscience put forth this and go. And I think that what we need to do is galvanize behind somebody else who is, a, who is ready to go and fight this fight, but I just don't have it in me anymore. There's zero chance Biden could utter all those words in a row. <laughs> <laughs> no chance. Well, that's the problem. Neither can the VP. Right. Well, so for different reasons, but yeah. That's right. the problem. It's not the problem isn't getting Joe Biden to step down. The problem is bypassing Kamala Harris. Yeah. That is the problem. That well, and that's, I've, right I've mentioned this before. That's where Newsom comes in, right? Because he's got the California bump. He's, he, if he's, the, he's the candidate, then they can kick out. They have to kick out Kamala. They have to kick out Kamala. But now you have an imaging problem. Because keep in mind, the, the MAGA crowd is motivated to go vote. The only chance Democrats have is they need to get somebody out to vote. And the old adage, Democrats fall in love, Republicans fall in line. I don't know if it's still true in the age of Trump. I'm going to be honest. But if you put in a sketchy middle-aged white male, especially with his own ethics history and replace the first woman of color ever elected vice president in the history of our great nation. How in the world do you sell that to your base? She will back up. She was put in place. She will be put out of place. I am aware, but what, what excuse? She will, she will provide cover. Whatever it is, she will provide cover because she was, Point, she was put in position. No, they will I mean, take her what's out. What's the story? What could you possibly say? She'll, she'll, they will come up with something. What could you? I don't understand what you. I mean, listen, I've said this before and I will say We live this in again. a clown world, Mr. If Dufson. this happens, I will be relentless to every person that, that championed her as this great. Yeah, and they will point to feature. Kamala, who will come out and make a statement and be like, I, it's not right time for me, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go do that, da, 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 whatever. So I don't think there's any way out of that that's not completely transparent. That's my issue with it. For sure. I mean, to me and you, but. 
Again, they will provide cover. She will provide cover for the transition. And then one last thing before we get out of here. Do you think make anything of the RFK and Epstein stuff? That he wrote on the plane? Yeah. Now, mind you, it was, I could bet, in the early 2000s? Maybe Uh, early 90s? I think it was the early 90s. So I've always had the, huh, RFK is a Massachusetts guy, and I think Massachusetts is basically Epstein, Massachusetts. And so he has controlled that state, all the MIT, the Harvards, all of that stuff, Moderna, all that stuff comes out of Massachusetts, right? So it's not lost on me that Epstein has significant influence in that state. And so there's always been this, RFK is a, you know, Kennedy's a Massachusetts family. That being said, I do understand his, he went on those trips with his family. Now, mind you, RFK is not necessarily a family man per se. Back in the day, he uh, clearly, you know, has admitted that he was uh, kind of like, did you know, did drugs and did women and kind of did his thing. He was a Kennedy. Right. So it says he has a sex addiction, just like all the other Kennedys, I guess. But so there's always been a little bit of like, I don't know. Smoke's not the right word, but maybe a little, uh, uh, some timbers, some, sure. some something there where I was like, eh, this could end up fit. It seems as though he doesn't have any relationship with him after those two trips. So I, it's not disqualifying to me, I guess, in a sense. I don't love uh, it. But it's not great. No, I don't love it, and I don't love it, especially the timing of it of after he came out with, he's supposed to be like this. Don't trust anybody in the powers that be, and America is being completely corrupted inside and out through foreign, uh, not foreign, but through um, FDA, defense contractors and everything. It's people that are advocating for positions and then profiting from those positions when they leave, and then he came out with that full-throated support. That was a terrible way to phrase that when it came to Robert Kennedy Jr. <coughs> it was not intentional, and I apologize for that one. But his full-throated support of the Israeli... Um, I don't even know what the right way to say this is. Hey, should we be worried about Palestinian civilians? No. like, Yeah, he's... Huh? I'm listening, I think he's on... He's on a very... A way, a very strong... A way and extreme end, if you will, of that position. Um... Yeah, I mean, it was a turnoff for me, for sure. Yeah, that one I had, like, and I'm not and telling you Israel, Israel fuels, can't respond. No, but that fuels the speculation. Epstein is, that, you know, right. he's compromised, blah, 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 because he did become, again, full-throated support of any kind of retaliation or whatnot. So if, it, if you follow the bouncing ball of Jeffrey Epstein, the most likely, the most likely series of events is he is an asset of the Mossad because he got his money from Robert Maxwell, who was an absolute known agent of Mossad while he was running his media empire. And then he so happens to have a daughter named Ghislaine Maxwell that is then Jeffrey Epstein's primary partner, associate, girlfriend, whatever you want to say, helping him with this. So it's not terribly complicated to follow no. that along where it's a, he's an agent of Mossad. It's actually pretty direct. So if you were Israel and you were this tiny little country in the middle of the Middle East surrounded by people that hate you and want to see your existence absolved. Absolved? That was called absolved. Not absolved. That's the wrong word. Eliminated. They want your country gone. And you decided you were going to go and do the most heinous thing humanly possible, which is you were going to engage children to conduct sex acts with adult males, videotape it so that you could control them, which, again, everything in Jeffrey Hepstein's house, everything in his ranch, everything on his island was videotaped and immediately sent out. So uh, it's not like he had a kink. Like, that was completely obvious. Shouldn't say obvious. Occam's razor would say the most likely explanation for that is they were doing this to control people. What would be your 
goal? What would be your interest as the country of Israel? It would be the further existence and development of your country, the security and safety and the expansion of your country. So why was Jeffrey Epstein, and we know they targeted U.S. politicians, we know they targeted U.S. business leaders, we know they targeted people in other countries as well. Prince Andrew. Arab Barack. Why? And the answer is, all right, well, for stuff like this, because if you have dirt on somebody and they and you say, hey, are you okay if we uh, just go and decimate buildings filled with people to go kill one terrorist? And you're like, no. And then they hold up the video and you're like, yeah. yeah no. I, that's, I, I'm not telling you that's exactly accurate, but I'm just saying if you want to follow the bouncing ball, I, it's hard to get somewhere else with that. And this is where I do get very frustrated about the Israeli question at this point of how do you respond to this type of a terrorist attack because i do think you have to have some type of a response but i think there's got to be a middle ground between well we'll just roll over and take it and we'll decimate every man woman and child that lives in the area i think there's got to be some middle ground that you could find between those two things and apparently holding that opinion makes me an anti-semite which i'm still struggling with a little bit to grasp how well it's you know they just it's it's not it's it's just a label and they use it just to control the conversation that's why they try to delegitimize people who are you know dissenting to the mainstream narrative so it's joining the ranks of grandma killer science denier anti-masker anti-vaxxer of words that used to and nazi fascist words that actually used to mean something man i've gotten all those i love that somebody wants to say like the libertarians are fascist that's still my favorite anybody that's ever come after you that label is the funniest thing in the world to me of like so you're basically a fascist like he's a devout libertarian like that's the exact actual opposite of fascism words definitions don't matter i get it words matter definitions don't nazi all right folks Communist, that's another one that another, doesn't mean anything. Another hour and a half show for us back out of the, the shoot. We, we got, got stuff sh- to make up for. Yeah, that's true. We did have a lot of stuff to cover. So next week, reminder, we have uh, the Javier Malay of New York, Keith Redhead coming in. We can save up all of our Javier Malay uh, uh, evaluation questions. I see you uh, sent me a link that he... There was 21 ministries under the federal government of nine, Argentina last week. Now there's nine. <laughs> Governing in progress. <laughs> the stroke of a pen. Let's see what happens. All right. So on that note, we'll see you all again next Monday <clears throat> with the in-studio guests. Uh, so hopefully I can make all that technology work. I got faith in you. You're the only one. So <laughs> at least that keeps me going. All right. On that note, we'll see you all again next Monday. Thank you for uh, tuning in.